0: Here's the Cannabis Reporter, Snowden Bishop.
1: Hi, and welcome back to the Cannabis Reporter radio show. In last week's interview uh, with Liz Valentine, we talked about how new medical marijuana patients overcome the stigma often associated with marijuana culture. We're beginning to see a paradigm shift as more and more people become aware of the benefits. But many are finding it difficult to overlook the misleading propaganda that's been ingrained in our culture for generations. The fact that all forms of cannabis are still federally illegal doesn't help. Some patients are made to feel like criminals for using it to get well. The same is true for mothers who often feel judged or even threatened for opting to treat their children with cannabis despite the overwhelming evidence that it's helping so many where pharmaceuticals have just simply failed. Twenty-three states have legalized marijuana for medical use, but each state sets its own parameters for treatable condition. Unfortunately, not all childhood conditions qualify for medical marijuana treatment. It's also expensive and often not covered by insurance policies. And in states that prohibit personal cultivation, treatment is limited to what patients can afford to buy in a dispensary. So the laws won't change until the vast majority of people are convinced that they should. And these are all issues that each one of my guests today have struggled to overcome. So I'd like to get started, and um, first I'd like to introduce Kathy Inman, who's truly a pioneer working to address all of these issues. She started the Phoenix chapter of the National Organization of the Reform for the Reform of Marijuana Laws, which is also known as Normal, um, back in 2008, and then she later served as its state director until 2014. Since then, she has been working tirelessly to raise awareness and break stereotypes associated with marijuana, and she's also the founder of Mom Force AZ, an organization that provides support for mothers and children who need cannabis to get well. And if that's not enough, she's leading the push for legalization here in Arizona. So, hi. Hello, (laughs) hello. And you are also joined by two very courageous moms. One is Parisa Rad, the other Brandy Williams. Parisa is the mother of a beautiful girl, 15 years old. Her name is Yazzie, and who's currently on a medical marijuana protocol to deal with congenital conditions as a result of cerebral palsy. And she's also sight impaired. Brandy has a seven-year-old little boy who has autism and a number of other conditions that come along with it, like seizures. And he is also being treated right now with full-plant cannabis. Is that correct?
2: That is true.
1: Okay. And then last but not least, I'd like to introduce you to Sarah Ellett, who is currently on the phone with us from Oregon. She's the mother of Remy, a darling 4-year-old who was born with severely debilitating conditions. For the first few years of her life, she spent most of her time in the hospital on drug protocols that not only failed to work, they were making her worse. Since she began treating Remy with CBD, she is now a walking, living, breathing um, miracle. So thank you, Sarah, for joining us. Welcome.
3: Thank you. I'm glad to be here.
1: <laughs> so, um, Kathy, I really would like to start with you because you have been on the front lines of educating people about marijuana, pushing for the legalization here in Arizona, and I know that of anybody, you really understand why legalization is so very important, and especially for mothers with children.
0: Oh, absolutely. I mean, over the years, I've, I've had calls uh, since 2010, people calling from all over the country. Should I move to Arizona? Should I move to Colorado? Um, how can I get my hands on this medicine? And it's so frustrating because when you uh, watch the families, when you see the suffering of these children, uh, gosh, even the campaign chairman of the campaign to regulate marijuana in, in Arizona has a little girl who suffered from the epileptic seizures. Mm. And um, she has been, these these have been alleviated. And why anyone would stand in the way of a child not suffering is absolutely beyond me. And honestly, coming into this in 2009, I didn't even know that this marijuana, cannabis, is what I call it now because, you know, we know it's got the proper term. People recognize it as marijuana, but, you know, uh, cannabis is helping people. And I've, I've seen over and over again people getting off the pharmaceuticals. I've heard the stories of so many people being debilitated by these toxins that we're putting in our body. Every single day, people are out there. We've got one in five children being prescribed ADHD medications that have components of methamphetamine, mm-hmm. and that's okay and that's accepted. Uh, we've got all these chemical, uh, you know, pharmaceuticals that are uh, filling up seniors, filling up children. They're they're killing people every single day. The opiates are an epidemic. Yeah, uh, the opiates are just one part of this. What right. I've learned in the last five years: how many pharmaceuticals folks can can use cannabis as a replacement for. It's overwhelming. And to find that these stories where these children can actually be alleviated from these incredible instances of suffering, I don't know how anyone could stand in the way, quite honestly. And that's why I absolutely support the full legalization of this so everyone can acquire it, everyone can grow their own, and they can make their own medicine.
1: Yeah. And I. so many people are having trouble accessing it, even knowing that it will help their children because certain conditions are not on the list that are acceptable, and every state is different. Absolutely. I mean, what are you telling moms when they run into this problem? When they run into this problem, I tell them,
0: what else have they got? What have they got as a side effect of this problem that they've got? If this isn't on the list, then there's got to be side effects that are covered as a qualifying condition. Well, chronic pain is always covered. Mm -hmm. So these children absolutely have chronic pain because they're living with these conditions. It's heartbreaking. Why, um, again, why anyone would stand in the way, it's beyond me. It's beyond yeah. me. Um, and the pharmaceuticals, as you said earlier, just aren't working. They're not working for anyone. Well, and they're making people more dependent on them Dependent. As well. And, you know, unfortunately, that seems to be, when you're prescribing one in five children something, one in five children that are mostly just fine. You mm-hmm. know, we've got. I had a doctor say to me at, at one... Uh, meeting, he had 18 referrals for ADHD medication. He went through them, and he f- sent 16 of them home without any pharmaceuticals, and there's, there's natural solutions. There's natural ways people can, can uh, get over these conditions. They don't right. need to turn to pharmaceuticals immediately, and cannabis is certainly one of them. Right. And Brandy,
1: your little boy has autism.
2: He does, and unfortunately in Arizona, autism is not a qualifying condition yet.
1: It's not. No. But he does have other conditions that do qualify him for this. Yes, so, he so, does. And what are those?
2: He has encephalopathy, which is inflammation of the brain. He has um, epilepsy. And then he has an inflammatory bowel disease called enterocolitis.
1: Okay. And let me ask you this because since autism is not on the list, I mean, we already know that cannabis will help with the seizures. We already know that it helps with inflammation, and those are on the list here in Arizona anyway. I'm sure that cannabis is helping with those symptoms, obviously, right? Right. But how is cannabis impacting him in terms of his learning abilities with autism?
2: So I did expect help with the the seizures. I did not expect much outside of that. Logan has um, self-injurious behavior, and he's very aggressive, towards his caregivers and, and people in our family. We have a HAB worker who has been documenting Logan's behavior for quite a few years now, and um, we were documenting that Logan was banging his head um, 75 to 150 times per day. Wow. Yeah. It's it's really hard to watch. Yeah, I know. Um, now that we got the dosaging right and and we got the right strains, he's— Ba- he 's down to banging his head about three times in most days, none
1: wow, so you 've actually physically seen the difference that cannabis is making in his life.
2: It has changed our lives completely we we've lived a very isolated life we we couldn't take him to the grocery store he we couldn 't find a proper school for him. Not even autism geared classrooms were, would be able to handle um, logan 's intense behavior. So I homeschool. Yeah. Um, <laughs> he has broken many objects in the house. i sure. It's just you know, there's so many issues going on there. There's sensory processing disorder where everything is just so overwhelming for them—too much sound, too much taste, too much color. You know. Um, then there's speech apraxia. If there's something bothering him, he can't tell me. So uh, what that looks like is he melts down, mm. uh, and I have to. Figure it out. You know, there's social impairment. There's um, fine and gross and motor skill impairment, uh, um, executive dysfunction, anxiety, OCD, all kinds of different comorbid conditions. And depending on the severity, it could be um, a slight problem or it could be a big problem. Right. And for us, it was a very big problem.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I can imagine Is he now able to interface with other children at all?
2: He is. He's very interested in in socializing. He's actually going up to strangers and giving them a high five and making eye contact. Eye contact is huge for these kiddos. And
1: this never happened before you start treating with cannabis?
2: No. We could scream his name 10 times in a row and he would never look at us. And now, 8 out of 10 times when we call his name, he'll respond. He's making gestures. He... In the first two months, he added 180 words to his vocabulary. And um, we're used to seeing a regression. You know, he'd gain skills and then he'd regress. But he's been on cannabis for a year, and he just keeps adding skills. He's not losing any skills. Wow. There was a 56-point reduction in his ATEC score. And ATEC is, you can find an, the ATEC test on Autism Research Institute website, and it just goes through all the behaviors that are associated with autism. His score was about as high as they get; it was a, it was like one fifty three. Mm-hmm. And six months into cannabis, we took the test again, and, and it went down to ninety seven. So,
1: <laughs> wow!
2: And uh, we've had access to early intervention therapy. He gets more therapy than and, than most kids on the spectrum. We've been doing therapy for four years. For four years, and we've never seen this much progress in my son. That's incredible. It,
1: Kathy, let me ask you this. Stories like this, I'm sure that Brandy's not, you know, alone in this, obviously. I mean, we're, we're here with three very courageous moms who are going through these trying issues. But how often are you able to get this kind of story to the state legislature, or to the voters?
0: Quite honestly, you know, I've done a few YouTubes. I've been trying to get people to feel brave enough to go on YouTubes. These gals are are here. They are brave for coming out, honestly. I mean, because we just have a hard time. In eight years, how many people really come out into the light and say, I'm using cannabis for my kids, I, you know, I use cannabis as a mom, even. Mm -hmm. I mean, as an adult, people don't want to say, even when they have a card and they're using it legally, this has been very difficult to get anyone to speak up, be on camera, uh, especially get it to the Arizona State Legislature. I send them emails on a regular basis. Maybe we need to include one, a YouTube of you gals, because we certainly have, they've seen this information. They know this information. They're ignoring this information, especially the, the people at the Arizona. We have very few friends over there. We do have a few friends, though, right. fortunately, thank goodness. But the overwhelming, it just seems like majority is working with our county attorney, um, and maybe not the majority, but a delightful few are working with the county attorney and carrying on his good message of prohibition, and you know these are the folks that we 're trying to get to, and you know honestly we 've got Representative Paul Boyer, who um, used to sit as the head of the education committee there at the state house i don 't know that he 's still holding that i think he 's on the health committee now mm-hmm. health committee, and he ignores this science constantly with me, and he had agreed to meet me in a public forum, but I believe he could be backing out. may we need to put some pressure on him because uh, he has the power to educate people about this sort of thing, and that 's what i 've been trying to get through. To him. But you do. You've, we've got a block, and our county attorney um, is working with the prohibitionists, the head prohibitionists up there, you know, Arizona re, for the Responsible Drug Policy are the people that are against mm-hmm. marijuana in all its forms, in any way, shape, or form. But boy, they're taking money from big alcohol. No problem. They've gotten their check. It's, a you know, it's yeah. a good sizable check and it's, it's uh, well, documented. Too. I'm sure that that's coming. They haven't documented that, but fortunately there are some good watchdogs out there, you know, letting us know where the money's coming from for these anti-marijuana groups. And when they're taking alcohol money, it kind of says something to us when we know that we lose thousands of lives every year yeah. from alcohol and marijuana has never taken a life on record and it's helped so many.
1: Right. Well, and when people hear a story like Brandy's or Parisa's or like Sarah's story, I mean, they'd have to be complete pariahs not to really understand how incredibly important this issue is.
0: Uh, for many months uh, before the stories started piling up and they started becoming national and they were really out there. These same people said this is not medicine. They laughed at people like this for even suggesting it. Yeah. And they, they just turned a blind eye to it. And my feeling is, is that if you've got something that you think is bad, do the research on it. We had uh, we also had a, a block of research a couple of years ago. I was involved in the Recall Yee campaign because she was the head of the uh, uh, committee to do the hearing on whether or not we're going to have marijuana research funded with our own money from the marijuana account. And Mm -hmm. she said, no, we won't even have a hearing
1: on that because we're, you know, just kind of Yeah, and because it's still Schedule 1, according to the federal government, it it bars you from really doing any meaningful research.
0: It does bar you from research, but at the same time when we've got this money, you know, we could do we could have done something in state at our own university of, of Arizona and instead they fired the one doctor that wanted to research it. So fortunately she's gotten that permission now in Colorado and I've been behind her every step of the way. Yeah. Um, in any way I could stand up for her.
1: Yeah. I wanna come back to that, but Parisa, I I really want to hear your story too, because Your daughter is beautiful, and (laughs) I I can't go without saying that um, I actually watched this video of her giving a hug to Justin Bieber, Yes, and that must have been a real highlight for her. In fact, she wanted to be on stage with him. Yes. (laughs) I was laughing. It was really cute. But she has Mm. cerebral palsy, which you wouldn't really know at first glance from looking at her. But she's, I mean, she's a beautiful teenager.
4: Thank you. Thank you. Yes, she is. Um, Yazzie's struggled with many health complications her whole life. She was born at 23 weeks gestational age, weighing only one pound. And so she does have cerebral palsy. She's also completely blind. And that was at birth as well. Yes, yes. She's now 15. <laughs> and um, a couple of years ago, two years ago, she had a spinal fusion surgery because she has scoliosis. Um, she developed some complications due to the surgery, and she now has SMA syndrome, which is a life-threatening condition. Um, she recently did meet Justin Bieber, thanks to Make-A-Wish. They're an amazing organization. And so for the last uh, two years, we've been struggling with the complications, and um, that included chronic pain, which we have not been able to get managed by any of our doctors, um, as well as eating problems, severe eating problems. You're talking about a 15-year-old that weighs 72 pounds. Wow. So... Her health was declining for some time, and it was really serious. And, and do you think
1: that a lot of that was due to the pharmaceuticals that she was taking? Do oh, you think most, it was making her most worse? Most
4: definitely. Okay. The, uh, a lot of the, the opiates had a lot to do with her the SMA syndrome. But she's totally off of a lot of her pharmaceuticals. In fact, we just recently weaned her off of her fluoxidine, which was for anxiety and depression. Right. Um, Yazi has been a cannabis patient since February of this year. So we're still new. We're still excited about all of the health benefits that we continue to see. Um, She's now at 88 pounds, which is amazing. (laughs) And I no longer have to force her to eat because she says, I'm hungry. (laughs) Give me some more. I want seconds. And is this um, whole plant? It is. It is. And it is helping with her um, chronic pain, most definitely, sleeping problems, issues. And this
1: spasticity in her musculature, is it helping with that as well then?
4: It is helping so much. Everything, Mm -hmm. I'm seeing improvements in just her attitude alone. You You know, know, her telling me, I'm happy. You know, that's that's something huge for us to hear. She has been on so many medications her whole life to help fight depression and things that come along with being a child with severe disabilities. Life is tough. You know, things are harder than the average person. Um, For her, but for her to say that she's happy, it just makes my my day, my life. (laughs) It's It's a great thing to hear and to see her eating, because then when she has enough food in her body, then she can function and she can learn and she can thrive again. You know, so so, and
1: prior to um, putting her on a cannabis protocol, you really didn't know a whole lot about marijuana in general.
4: Yes, this is true, and um, we had to look out. We had to go. Looking for the information ourselves because I wasn't getting the answers that I, I wanted from the doctors. I was seeing my child suffer, so I had to take matters into my own hands, I guess you could say. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, thankfully, we found cannabis. And I was like many of the mothers that Kathy mentioned. I was scared. You know, I, I, this is the first time I'm going public talking about this because I feel so passionately about it now. I'm, now that I have personally personally have seen the positive effects that it's had on my daughter, I want the public to know so we can maybe save other children from suffering.
1: Yeah. yeah. Sarah, I want to bring you in too on this because your story is so moving as well. And because you were living in Utah you had a whole other set of issues to deal with and overcome but tell us a little bit about Remy's condition her what she's been going through over the last few years of her young life.
3: Oh sure okay so Remy was born um, primarily with a with a couple different conditions. Um, one is a cleft lip and palate. She had midline defects, which caused that and also caused other issues such as um, panhypofituitarism, which is related to her complete endocrine system. She also has other conditions such as hypotonia, and she was not doing very well. She couldn't even walk. So much opposite of someone with cerebral palsy, she would actually be very, very flexible, and that that would cause her to have injury and she was unable to even walk or um, do many of the things that most children can do, such as um, eat, chew food, swallow it. it. It just caused so many problems.
1: And you had her on a feeding tube for um, a number of years. Is that right?
3: Yes. Yes. She. Um, she. That was the only way that she could eat. She couldn't even take even a drink of water by by mouth or or chew on you know even a simple food.
1: Yeah. And then. I love the way you learned about treating with cannabis.
3: When I first learned about uh, just starting to give her the cannabis.
1: A friend of yours said, well, have you tried this? <laughs> yeah. It's completely illegal in in Utah with the exception of epilepsy now. So I know that there was a lot for you to overcome there.
3: Yeah, it was very frightening. As a matter of fact, I... I said, well, you know, I've I've looked and I've researched this, but uh, but I'm not sure if it's right for Remy. And my friend reached out to me and told me about another child that was using it. And so I started following some of these mothers and I was able to see that other children were actually thriving and doing well, and there was no no harm. And, and the children were doing so well that I decided to go ahead and take the chance. and and yes, I'm. You know, in Utah, I I made a, you know, made an effort to go ahead and and heal my child in a state that will not allow it for children with her um, conditions. The only children in Utah that can take cannabis are those with epilepsy.
1: So this actually forced you to take Remy up to Oregon. At that time, it. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe that you had access to a program that allowed out-of-state residents to visit Oregon and treat their children?
3: I did. I um, fit into a very small window of time. Um, legislature in Oregon actually turned that around um, this year. There's no way for anybody to come in from out-of-state and get a non-resident um, license, um, I'm sorry, but a health card for their child. And mm-hmm. so we fit into that window. I was able to treat her, During that time period in Oregon, um, as the legislature changed everything, though, we were we were um, forced to make a decision whether we would go ahead and um, move to Oregon and treat her. But before those decisions were ever made, um, it became very obvious as I spoke up at legislature and the media finding out that, you know, we were using cannabis. um, It it just became obvious that we had to make the, the move.
1: Yeah. Well, and also you were threatened.
3: We were, yes, yeah, and, and, and DCFS did come to my door. They asked me about using cannabis. I, I literally packed up Remy's stuff. I, I packed up everything. I packed up all her medicine, brought everything. I forgot her clothing, but I brought all her medicine, all her, all her pumps, all her alarms, everything, loaded up our car, and we came to Oregon and we just, we've had to start our life over. My home is still there and we live in a small apartment. Our life is completely different than it ever was, but, um, Remy is off of a lot of her medication. She's no longer on oxygen at all, not during the night, not during the day. She's she's without oxygen now, and she's um, decreased so many of her medications, and she's doing so, so well right now.
1: I'm so happy to hear that. I mean, I've been following your story. Actually, I did an article on Remy several months ago that's online, and if you wanted to read more about her story, it's called Sweet Small Remedy, Uh, It's on thecannabisreporter.com, but it's amazing to me to see the progress since I started following you, and I don't even remember how I found you, but I did, and I was so touched by what you were going through and what Remy was going through, and the fact that you had to make such huge personal sacrifices for you and your family in order just to get the treatment that would keep Remy alive. It's just astonishing to me what you had to go through. So Um, oh yeah. Yeah, and I, I guess, Kathy, we're pretty lucky here in Arizona, honestly, that we do have a medical marijuana law.
0: We're very lucky.
1: Albeit not perfect, but it still enables parents like Sarah to seek treatment
0: Without Absolutely. being,
1: you know, without the threat of child protective services taking their families away.
0: Well, you know, we've uh, ha- we have a wonderful network also of businesses where they have programs for for moms. I try and direct them in the in the right way. I hope to get them to those good resources where people are actually giving some of this medicine as away. Uh-huh. Um, you know, to people that need it and. Uh, Arizona does have a, a great cannabis business community. We really do. We're very lucky. In fact, we're one of—I think we're on the forefront. There's some kind of chart. We're we're right at the top um, yeah. for cannabis in, in America, and uh, you know it's it's for sticking to supporting medical marijuana. Back in 2010, we won that by less than 5,000 votes. Right. So if we didn't get that, we wouldn't be where we are in Arizona today, and that's what the prohibitionists, you know, they fought like tooth and nail back then against the medical because they didn't want this proven. Right. Of course, they didn't know like many of us didn't know. I didn't know either. All as I know is they were they were coming. They had a, a campaign, and they had an angle, and I thought, well, you know what? This is something that sa- saves people from um, alcohol abuse. It saves people from pills, Um, And I knew that coming in 2008. So I knew, you know, whatever it was, it was good because this was, this is wrong. This was an injustice, this cannabis prohibition. Um, Here we we could have, uh, you know, been a felon. Mm -hmm. We were a felon if we had as much of a, a seed or a little bit of a joint, you know, with us, a marijuana cigarette. Um, on our person people have been felonized for this oh yeah and and they're still felons and, and so many can't vote that we're just caught with a little bit of marijuana so we've got a vote coming up you know where we can vote and we can and i just say for heaven's sake vote yes there's so many the, out yeah, there there's
1: really no reason we've not got opposition to.
0: and different forms out there and we just need to get out there register and
1: vote for heaven's right. sake. right with all the the I mean, there's there's a growing movement. It's obviously gaining a lot of steam right now, where people are starting to go, "Oh, duh!" Right? Yeah. <laughs> so, but that's there's fun. still there's still that that uh, stigma. There's still that eighty oh, years worth yes. of uh, bad propaganda, starting with reefer madness, that's ingrained in in our psyches Absolutely. here. And so a lot of people are opposed and they're like, well, you've got medical marijuana. Why on earth do you need to legalize and give drugs to all our children? Right. What do you tell them? I mean, what is the real importance of legalizing it? You know, especially when it comes to moms and children, mm-hmm. why is it so important for moms and children who need to treat their children well, for it to become fully legal?
0: It's, it's so incredibly important for it to become fully legal because moms can't, many moms, and many and I, I work with senior citizens uh, primarily for the most part because uh, seniors are the ones, I think, that are the most over-medicated. They're at the, the last time mm-hmm. of their life where they have a few couple of decades where they can get healthy. This is getting them healthy, getting them off of, of things. Moms, seniors alike, many of them can't afford to pay $300 a year to have oh, a yeah. license to use medical marijuana. There's still another batch that will never touch the stuff, just like my own mother. She'll never touch it because it's illegal. As long as a product is illegal, there's many, many, many good people who aren't going to go near Whether it. Whether
1: they advocate for its benefits or not.
0: Absolutely. Because, you know, it's it's illegal it's still illegal and yes mm-hmm. it's going to be illegal federally and you know hopefully we'll keep it illegal federally because quite honestly as we were talking earlier this is the last bastion of freedom also, uh, also that we can vote for our states to have the rights to have their hands on this to grow it our own our own way before it becomes a federal issue the pharmaceutical Uh, companies take this over like they have so many things. You've got, uh, you know, CVS is the number five on the top, the Forbes 500. Why? Because so many people are using so many pharmaceuticals. So eventually, yes, um, they'll get their hands on cannabis because this needs to be a a medicine that everyone can have. Mm. However, right now we have a chance to be able to grow our own and we can make our own pain medication. We can make our own medicines out of this plant. We can do it ourselves. And we have that option uh, mm-hmm. coming up here. And it, again, there's so many people that just can't afford to have that license every every year. So there's a lot of moms that aren't going to, they're also not going to jump through the hoops of having to have two doctors approve this. The stigma of using me- medical marijuana for your child, um, these are things that need to get. we need to get past. And when it's legal, so many more people will understand it, try it for themselves and see if it works. Try it for their kids and yeah. they will because they'll be able to formulate it themselves, make it themselves, they'll know what they're getting and mm-hmm. you know, and I know Brandy, you do you do you make medicines yourself? Did I hear
2: something? I do. I just <laughs> I really have a hard time trusting what is going into these plants at the dispensary, <laughs> and I can't yeah. blame you. That's a really well, that's good a strategy. Whole other conversation, yeah, <laughs>
1: yeah.
2: Um, Sarah,
1: I wanted to ask you because um, now that now that you've settled into Oregon, uh, you have the privilege of living in a state where it is legal on a recreational level. Do you? Do you feel that the level of acceptance in the general population when you're telling people that you're medicating Remy with cannabis, do you feel like you're in a warm, inviting community that's supporting you 100%?
3: I do on on so many levels I do. And, and, you know, it is still a tough subject when it comes to being inside um, the hospital system. There are many people that have personal opinions, but overall, even if they support it, they cannot professionally support it. So there's some doctors that will say, you know, on a personal level that they support it, but that, you know, their hospital cannot advocate for the use of it or recommend, or, you know, even, you know, prescribe, you know, and so, um, you know, even though there is some support there, a great amount of support, there's just not a lot of support within, you know, the hospital community. And I do think that needs to be addressed, but, um, of course, it, it's just been great just to be able to give it to her, and, and no one in that hospital um, will actually refer me over to child and family services. They yeah. they understand, they see it, they know she's gained six and a half pounds in one year. It's just so miraculous. It's been amazing.
1: Yeah, Parisa, I want to um, circle back to you real quick because you have a teenager, <laughs> and you know, I'm just wondering. Has there been much backlash for you in terms of the acceptance of of people that uh, work with her or uh, peers, school moms of other kids?
4: This is the first time I'm really speaking publicly oh, about okay. it. Okay. Um, we have talked to our family, our close friends, people that work with her closely, you know, her hab worker, her respite worker, that type of thing. So they've been very understanding and they see the progress um that Yasmin has made. I have yet to announce it to her school. Just because she doesn't medicate at school, I didn't right. want to the stigma still out there. Exactly mm-hmm. what Kathy was saying. You know, as soon as we break that, then I will feel more comfortable and feel like I can be. It will be a safe place for me to yeah. talk about it. Yeah. But um, nobody can deny her progress. I mean, just looking at her, you can see she I have had to buy her new clothes they don't fit you know yeah. she's just doing well, so well like I said when
1: I when I first saw the images of her it mm-hmm. you can't tell right off the bat that right. she has any of the spasms and mm-hmm. that sort of thing she seems so composed <laughs> and you know beautiful i know you have to run so <laughs> Um, I'm going to say thank you to thank you. you. for
4: having me here. Oh, you're welcome.
1: But stay put. because <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, so yeah, so let's, let's get back to this. How many secrets do you think are being kept out there in the community, Kathy?
0: Oh, there's tons of secrets. And you know, also on the moms thing is that a drug dealer does not, uh, or they don't ID. A drug dealer doesn't ID. Right. So when you go to a drug dealer, they uh, also offer other things like heroin and methamphetamine to yeah. children. They they have a little potpourri of drugs that they want to sell you. Now, when marijuana is legal, it's going to put that guy out of the marijuana business. Right. Because people will be buying their marijuana from stores. So this guy doesn't need to Well, stores sell. that are
1: regulated exactly. as well. So you'll know what it is you're getting because I doubt very seriously that the average drug dealer on the corner is telling you whether you're getting an indica or a sativa or whether it's, you know, um uh, ratio of CBD to THC, and you don't know what you're getting.
0: Precisely, and you don't. And you know, people have they're they're doing a good job on their own. They have for decades. But what's happening now is that since we're making this a science, they're really getting it down, and so mm-hmm. they can pinpoint it. Gee, this strain's going to work well for this ailment. Um, this is going to work for you, and and uh, likewise. So that's why we need to have this regulated. We need to know what's in it. We need to be able to go buy it from the stores. And again, when that happens, then the people on the street, they just, they don't have that. They're not, the marijuana business is going to dry up. Sure. They're going to keep unfortunately selling these other things, but kids overwhelmingly. And unfortunately, when they're looking for something they're and they're going to a guy like that, they're looking probably for marijuana. So when they look for marijuana, they're not going to have that option. Marijuana right. will be around, yes. They're saying, oh, gosh, all the exposures in Colorado. All the kids have been exposed. Well, those are exposures that didn't, they
1: weren't exposed to possibly uh, poisonous alcohol or, or pills. Right, and pills, they they don't have that same stigma attached to the pills that they're stealing from their parents' medicine cabinets because they were prescribed by a doctor. Precisely. Right? Yes. So then when they go to the street dealer and they say, do you have any of these pills? And he says, no, but I got something that's just like it. Right. Exactly. Heroin. That's our now heroin Now you've got epidemic. a whole new yes. epidemic. Right. Absolutely. So you've got the overprescription. prescription. Of
0: uh, of opiates, just kind of nationwide here, and this is really an America problem. This right. isn't happening in other countries the way it's happening here. You've got people on opiates that are taking a life every single twi- every twenty minutes. Somebody mm-hmm. loses their life from these opiates, and they have the same components as the heroin on the street. So right. when they run out of their prescription, the doctor, if you've got a good doctor, he will cut you off eventually. Many of them. Well, and don't. they're starting
1: to cut off more more uh, a little sooner now. than they were in the past, which is now creating a whole other problem because now they're going to the street, and if they can't find it on the street, they go to heroin. And it was interesting what you were saying about how they're the same components, basically. I mean, opioids all come from pretty much the same place. But when you compare the molecular structure, you put them, you know, if they were on transparent sheets, you'd put them together. They'd be the same except for a couple tags.
0: It's a couple. And it's it, what it is, it, even, you know, like I, I like to refer to our county attorney who says, well, we, we, we are regulating opiates. Well, you're regulating heroin. Yes, they've regulated heroin down to this little bit. So if right. you're regulating heroin, and they're obviously regulating methamphetamine because they're giving it out in ADHD medications to our children. Right. Um, they need to regulate marijuana as well, and yeah. regulate it, and let's mm-hmm. let's take it away from the drug dealers. Uh, stop giving our kids an option of all these other different drugs, and um, yeah, they're going to find it, but they're not going to find these other ones that actually take their life, which is beautiful, and that's that's why I think we see um, NIDA has come out with these with the surveys about our kids, or the last survey monitoring the. The future survey says that drugs uh, kids are taking less drugs and alcohol. There's certainly less overdoses um, from drugs and alcohol across the nation as we regulate marijuana. And especially in states like Colorado, uh, they've seen a drop since 2002, 2000 when they got their first medical law passed. It's been a steady drop of teen drug use. Right. You know, and it, it, Colorado is statistically always been higher than the rest of the country. So people against the, uh, marijuana like to say, "Oh, it's 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 the highest you know place. More teens are using marijuana there." Well, more teens have always used marijuana. It's not the legalization that's that's affected that. Um, they've always consistently had a higher rate of all drug use in Colorado for some reason. I don't right. know why. It's just, it's it's on the books, it's it's true, oh, and, it, and now it's coming down. So yeah. that says something. Yeah. Arizona, too, actually, if you look at our youth survey, um, teen drug and alcohol use and overdose has come down since 2010. And, yes, we've, there's other drug programs, anti-drug programs, but the big difference since 2010 is we have a medical marijuana law and people are getting an honest education about drugs.
1: Right, right. That's what we need. And we are all sort of watching this grand experiment, too. Since there are no proper clinical clinical trials, you're seeing what's happening with children, you know, Parisa's daughter, um, Brandy's son, and Sarah's daughter. I mean, look at those are statistics, but they're, because they're not in a scientific study, they I think can. some of the pushback to regulation, especially from the um, lawmakers uh, point of view is that there aren't clinical studies so therefore we shouldn't you know regulate and it's cute yeah.
0: because it's schedule 1 and we can't and we have we
1: have the studies because it's schedule 1 but
0: the but the thing the irony of that is that if you go to the national institutes of health which is what I live from uh, when right. it comes to this medical and they information come right out and there say are that, a million studies yeah. all you have to do is just go and you you search the the condition and cannabis. Right. And you will see all the studies that have been done since the 70s. They've been yep. doing studies on marijuana, on cannabis. They've been doing these studies. I so read, it, just, I read it makes one me want to tear my hair out.
1: initiated <laughs> right away um, coming out of um, Israel, actually. Yeah. They're doing tons oh, of studies. They're so yeah. much farther ahead than yes. the United States when it comes to cannabis. They are. And they're treating the elderly with... I mean... The, it's in the
0: hospitals. It's too. in a hospitals the, it's, the hospitals, and it's, you
1: know, it's free. <laughs> so Covered. yes. Yeah. So it's, it's pretty astounding, but they're actually doing one. Um, I meant to tell Parisa this. They're doing one on um, cerebral palsy right now. Yes. And I, I know, um, Sarah, your doctors have been quite astonished as well at the progress um, have, have any of them been curious about doing studies and maybe um, getting Remy to be part of a clinical trial of any sort with cannabis? Has anybody talked about that at all, where you are?
3: Well, you know, a lot of them can't because of the, you know, they've all been very curious, and they've actually um, expressed a lot of support for me. They just tell me that um, it's just something that they can't professionally talk about. But there was one pediatrician, who we found the Deve- neurodevelopmental clinic here in Oregon, who told me that the um, hospital um neurology unit is actually working on a study um, for this where they're actually documenting how it works out with the seizures. And so um, there, I think there is um, a part of, you know, Thornbacker Hospital that is working on you know, integrating cannabis into, you know, their hospital uh, program. But I'm not sure really how, uh, you know, how in-depth that would be. But Remy does not suffer from seizures, so we would never be part of that study.
1: Right. Well, it seems that there's more and more information out there about seizures, which is why that everybody had to open their doors for treating seizures with cannabis. But, you know, what about some of the um, gastroenterology um, studies and, and or issues that Remy is dealing with right now, have you, have you had any uh, discussions with the gastroenterologists about this?
3: Um, not about any sort of study. The only thing that I've been told to, uh, you know, about uh, was just to continue doing what I was doing and um, that they were impressed and that they felt like I had done the right thing uh, by giving her the cannabis. They, um, you know, that was on a personal, just a personal conversation that I had with uh, with her gastroenterologist. But um, it was an amazing um, visit in that she just really felt that I had done some some excellent things with Remy. I've been told across the board with each specialist that she has that she looks much better, and they're very optimistic about her. Um, there's been several different medications that have been dropped um, after the doctors have seen her. They've suggested removing some of these medications, and that. That has been up to them to go ahead and remove those medications. But not one doctor has ever said to go ahead and remove the cannabis.
1: Interesting, isn't it? Yeah. It is. Yeah. Oh,
3: she's beautiful. If you look at her pictures, I mean, we wouldn't even have to say anything. You can just look at her pictures and you can see where she was and where she is and and just the, the growth. Even just watching her hair. Her hair is so long and beautiful and And it's grown so much. And I mean, it just shows how much nutrition she's actually getting because now she
1: can eat real food. Yeah. I'm, I'm actually, um, if, if you'll send them to me, I'll post them and update the article about Remy, because I think it's really important for people to actually physically see the difference this is making in these child, these children. And Brandy, I'd love to do the same thing with you as well. I mean, you know, yeah, chronicle we can, the journey from start
3: to... We, we
2: have been. We have a hab worker in our home 40 hours a week. We have uh, seven different therapists. We have five different doctors. And um, they're all blown away. Um, they're actually sending me kids that they can't help. And um, that's one of the tricky parts is finding the, the qualifying condition um, right. for autism because it varies. So. Yeah. And
3: And I'd like to add something um, to that. When I listened to Brandy talk about the therapist, we were, of course, lined up for many of those things, but because of our transition from Utah to Oregon, we have missed out on so much therapy, trying to, you know, get things in line. And it's interesting to watch the amount of um, time that we spent in therapy and then without therapy, how much progress she has made. And it's not it's not, you know, disregarding anything that therapy does, but it's just that the cannabis has really helped Remy just to pick up and do the things that she would need to do without having um, anybody there to really work with her and support her. So it really has filled in the gap when we can have the other things in place that we really do need. So I can't even imagine how wonderful it would be to have cannabis and the therapist working together. I'm sure you've seen amazing results, Brandy.
2: Yes. Actually, um, we couldn't get Logan to actually sit long enough to, um, work with the therapist. And now he's sitting at a therapist table, attending a therapist led task, um, completing three-step instructions. So yes, um, it's actually before he would just run away from the, (laughs) the therapist there, there was no engagement there whatsoever. And they had to rewrite his goals, to make them easier Because he was not reaching his goals and, and now that he has a cannabis They're writing goals Because he's reaching his goals uh, I mean it. We had to work on lacing beads For four years And he just He couldn't do it Because of the limb apraxia And now he's Mastered that goal And a whole lot more <laughs> So That's it's amazing I'm very impressed I was not expecting This much I, I knew cannabis would help With the seizures But I, I had no idea it would make this big of an impact on Logan. Yeah. I
1: think a lot of people wouldn't know it.
2: Yeah. Um you know, a lot of people think of Asperger's, you know, just some personality quarks, you know, it's not a lot of people um my son has like the type of autism nobody wants to talk about. You know, the 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 kids that have to be in four point restraints when when they visit the doctor and you know, it's uh so I don't want the people out there to think, oh, we're giving kids that just have a little personality quirks or whatever, cannabis, you know, Logan needs um, a lot of help. Although I I can't help but think that even the
1: children who suffer from mild cases of Asperger's could benefit Absolutely. in terms of the focus and that sort of thing. So, I mean, well, your case is very extreme, I'm sure that other people could benefit from it, but... Do they have those qualifying conditions? Mm. Yeah.
2: That's, you know, and I know a lot of autistic adults. So a lot of people think autism in children, but there's, um, you know, varying spectrum of autistic adults as well, you know, Mm -hmm. and autism is brutal. I mean, my son was afraid of the world and now he, I can take him to the grocery store and he's saying hi to people and he's petting animals and he's, uh, we used to have to sit next to my son uh, with my nieces and nephews because if he became too overwhelmed, he would pinch their face or bite them. And um, and now he's following him around and letting him letting his nieces or his cousins play with his iPad. And that's something that would have sent him into a three hour meltdown. Yeah. You know? So. Wow.
1: Wow. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. And, I,
3: I, oh, go um, ahead. Go ahead. Well, I just, as a mother, you know, of a child who does have autism, um, it does impact the siblings as well. So even if the siblings aren't using cannabis, their whole lives are improved by the use of cannabis because then they can go to an activity and you can sit through the, you know, the church picnic or you know the school, uh, you know, movie night or whatever because you your your children can have you with you know before we would have to leave. Someone home to watch my son while I took the other kids, or we would go and we would have to go home because of my son's behavior. And so, um, I can totally empathize with uh, what what Randy is saying about that. And I'm just really happy for both of you know both you know both of them. They're very happy. Well,
2: thank you. I'm so proud of your little girl too. <laughs> Thanks.
1: Yeah. Well, I, I think that it's just so important to keep speaking out about this. I mean. You know, I'm, I'm so touched by all of your stories and, you know, it's definitely worth following. And I think that the more people learn about these very real heart-wrenching conditions that these children are dealing with right now and moms are dealing with right now, you know, and until people really fully understand how miraculous cannabis can be for these situations, you know, we're still fighting an uphill battle. So Kathy, what do we do? Educate,
0: educate, educate. That's all yeah. I've been doing. It's all I've been talking about for years. And yeah, You live and
1: breathe this.
0: Many people, you know, they're, they're out for the cause, but they're not educating. They're out there, you know, leading a charge to fight this or fight that. Well, we've got what we have is that we've got a miracle, in our grasp, that we need to share with everyone. And it, they're not going to listen by being mean about it or telling people they're ignorant or, hey, right. you, you got to listen. No, it's all about gentle explanation. It's gentle education. And that's what I've been trying to deliver um, to, to schools, to the colleges. I've, I've been to Yavapai, U of A. I, I've uh, been doing the lifelong learning classes with the seniors and I, I have another one in Surprise next week, and I, there's 40 seniors signed up, and I'm so glad because when I get a room full of these folks, they can't wait to talk about this because they're the ones that have been living the reefer madness um, all these years, and they're the ones that have been indoctrinated and really, really are the pushback. So I've been going directly to them to try and educate them for the last year or, or two, almost two years now, um, because you know, leading a charge for cannabis and getting out there and giving flyers to people and telling them, hey, you know, we've got this going on and did you know about medical marijuana is great, but it's speaking to them one-on-one. So Mm -hmm. I urge people to speak to their friends, to their family, the people that already trust you. Uh, If they already trust you, you know, those are the people to start the conversation with first. Yeah. And and then we go from there. And and the people as a teacher at these lifelong learning places, while they trust me, they're still coming to a class called Understanding Medical Marijuana and for the most part they don't. When they walk in, they get a little history, they they get a little background, they understand what these women have been going through, which I could just I the strength you guys have, it, I just it's, can't even it's imagine. Really... How you hold up, and thank you for the good for being a good mom. And yeah, I just can't of, imagine. So many moms have a you know, yeah. We and, and we, we tear our hair out over a regular right. child in in these conditions. I just God bless you. A lot I, of us moms wow.
2: might ha- have a little PTSD. <laughs> yeah, ex- absolutely. Yeah, I'm sure.
1: I'm sure. And Sarah, you've been going through it too. Oh my God, your strength is just so inspiring.
3: Thank you. Thank you. I really, really hope that some moms will, you know, be encouraged to, you know, take that step. And, and it is very scary to speak up, but um, I wouldn't change it. It's been really hard. There's maybe some regrets I have about, um, you know, just maybe not getting here soon enough. Um, but I'm I'm glad that I spoke up. I just hope that maybe even one more child might have some improvement just because they hear someone else's story. That's how we you know, we started our journey with seeing that other children were indeed safe and okay and doing and thriving and, and growing because of this, you know, and so we just really need to keep educating.
1: Yeah. Wow. Well, and I think, too, from you know, I think that we need to open the dialogue in front of the people who oppose it the most in places where they're not digging, but you know, just out in the airwaves, too, you know, uh, radio and that oh, sort of absolutely. Thing. So we're working on that. Yes, thank and, you. And, um, you know, very eager to get out in front of the naysayers, um, but elevating it to a different level of conversation so that we're removing the stigma, you know, the cultural um perceptions that people have about, you know, marijuana users and that sort of thing. Circling Absolutely. back to that interview we had last week with um, with Liz Valentine from Green Star, she was telling me that's just such a huge, it's a huge part of it.
0: It's a really hard part because the trouble is that the folks that are willing to come out and, and wave that flag and stand up for this issue... For the most part are going to be your culture folks that's the people that the general public will see when they go to the marches when they go to the you know the the, the w- whatever uh events are happening around town if they see these folks they associate right uh this you know with the party crowd with a bunch of people that just quote unquote want to get high they don't see the moms they don't see and you know these are the stories that i've turned into the arizona republic that haven't and printed. Uh, I turned in a lo- little op-ed about the people you don't see. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when there's a parade happening, uh, they see the parade, but they don't see the moms. They don't see the moms that work with these with with their children, and and they get this relief. They don't see the seniors that are uh, that were once diagnosed with Alzheimer's because they were on twenty pills, and now uh, got their job and their ability to drive back because they are using cannabis instead of half of those pharmaceuticals. These are the stories that I've been seeing, and these are the stories that need to be out there. And the more we get these stories out there, the the better. But these are the folks that don't want to stand up because over the years, as I've said many times for normal, is that these are the people that we stand up for, the people that don't want to lose their jobs, their homes, certainly Mm -hmm. not their children. They don't want the stigma. Um, They don't want to put their face out there. But um, the more regular people that come out, the more regular people are going, huh, you know, this issue does stand, you know, an- another look. We need to look at this again. And that's yeah. why I've been, you know, heck, I even talked to, you know, Sheriff Joe Arpaio about this because I thought if we've got this information – if this is such a, an injustice, why I'm going to take it to the highest bench I can take it, and uh, here's you have America's toughest sheriff, so I brought him the information yeah. because, and he even understood about the medicine, and he said this needs to be a medicine that we can write a prescription for. Uh, you know, because he understands this is helping people and that's, right. what's important. And that's what the other lawmakers in the state need to understand. It's yeah. helping people. And that's yeah. what's
1: wrong with that. And that is, that is just so incredibly important. So absolutely. Wow. What a conversation this has been. I'm completely inspired and Thank you so much, Kathy, thank for the, the knowledge you. and the work. And, man, you are a pioneer. And Thank you. Thank you for having us. You're a foot soldier, aren't you?
0: <laughs> Actually, Keith Strupp, the head of the founder of Normal, called me a foot soldier in the <laughs> war against the war on drugs. And yeah, I'm proud to be that.
1: Exactly. And, um, Brandy, thank you. And I wish you all the best with your son. And I want to keep... I want to keep in touch and I'd love to post his journey, so let's talk sure. about that on the Cannabis Reporter. And Sarah once again, thank you and you're incredibly inspiring as well. My God, the strength you've shown is just more than any parent should have to endure. <laughs> oh, thank
3: you. Thank you for having me. This has been a really great conversation.
1: Well, certainly welcome. So thank you. Thank you to all of you. Kathy Inman, Parisa Mansouri Rad, Brandi Williams, and Sarah Ellett for sharing the incredible journey today. Um, We'd love for you to get involved. Uh, Kathy Inman is uh, leading the charge for MomForceAZ.org. So if you're interested in joining that crusade, please look up her website, MomForceAZ.org. And um, AZMamas, uh, azmamas AZMamas.org, or just Uh, Mamas.org?
2: We have a Facebook, AZMamas, and there's a Mamas.org for everybody around... The, the state. So any, any state that has medical cannabis there, um, there's okay. a Facebook chapter. Excellent. Okay. And of course
1: you can visit the dot to learn about all of our guests today and their journey. And I'd also like to extend a great big thanks to star worldwide network and Kyle Pratt, our amazing engineer for today's show And thanks to all of you for listening. I'm Snowden Bishop, the Cannabis Reporter. Over and out, until we meet again, make it a great day.